Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and blessings and welcome to another installment of the Gist of Freedom and State. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author Leslie Gist and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people past and present, black and white, who with faith and focus are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347 324 Hello, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Gist of Freedom. Uh, tonight, we are joined by Black Farmers uh, with Gary R. Grant. Mr. Grant is the president of the Black Farmers and Agriculturalists Association. Uh, you can read many of his papers that we're going to post a link to on our website. It's called Black Farmers United. The Struggle Against Power and Principalities. The authors are the president of the Black Farmers and Agriculturalists Association uh, from Cooley, North Carolina, assistant professor of sociology at Kansas State University, a doctoral candidate in sociology at Kansas State University, respectively. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Mr. Gary Grant, can you tell us about your book? Mr. Grant? He's on his way, Roy. He'll be there in two seconds. Should I repeat the intro? If you like, just briefly. All right, I'm trying to get in a quieter place until he gets on. It's going to be tough in Penn Station. I'm going to do my best. Hello, Roy. He's on. Mr. Grant is on now. Okay. Hello, Mr. Grant. Hi. How are you? Excellent. Let me just do this intro one more time, and then I'll bring you on. Okay. Thank you for joining. Getting to a different spot. I want to get away from that feedback. I'm in Penn Station trying to do this. Let me just get in a quiet place. Say that again. I'm on a cell phone. Well, you're just as bad as I am, man. <laughs> Can you hear the the, and the speaker behind me? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of speakers behind me. Everything's okay. Uh, just go ahead. You, you sound great. Oh, you can hear it? Okay. All right. All right. Thank you for joining us tonight. We'll be talking about the history of black farmers with Gary R. Grant. Mr. Grant is the president of the Black Farmers and Agriculturalists Association. You can read his work and his papers on our website, which we provide you a link to, called Black Farmers United, the Struggle Against Power and Principalities. Uh, can you tell me, Mr. Grant, uh, about what precipitated you uh, getting into this work of being a black farmer to begin with? Well, what brings me into it is that my family was were farmers. Uh, 
I live in a what's known as a New Deal resettlement community out of the 1930s and 40s where the government made it possible for African Americans to purchase uh, 40 to 60 acres uh, in, in home and homestead. Uh, it's called the Tillery Resettlement Farms, later named the Roanoke Farms. Uh, and in 1976, the foreclosure began on my family that made us aware of what was going on with other farmers around us. And uh, from that point on, it's just been a, a big struggle to uh, save farmers as well as save land. Um, there were six children in my family, and they also, my mother and father raised four extended family members, and it was the farm that did it. Uh, the oldest of us went to college uh, without the aid of grants or scholarships or anything or, or even loans that the farm itself, uh, our work on the farm provided the funding that was needed in order for us to attend college. So we learned early in our young adult lives as to what the farm was really all about and what the value of owning land is about. Yeah, and talk about some of those struggles. Well, you know, you put seeds in the ground and you have to have a lot of faith because the uh, uh, you, you're dependent upon God and, and Mother Nature. And then there was the, uh, after the Resettlement Administration, the government went into what was called the Farmer's Home Administration. And this is during the Jim Crow era um, where the white farmers could go to the U.S. Uh, DA, the United States Department of Agriculture, and get service right away, black farmers would have to sit and wait until all of the white farmers had been seen. And even as that kind of drifted away, uh, black farmers were still never given full access to the programs that the government were offered because it was still local, uh, powerful whites who were controlling those offices. And that's not just here in Halifax County where Tillery, North Carolina is located, but this was across the country, that we actually had black farmers receiving their loans to plant their crops as late as September. You really need to have your money to do your crops by uh, February, early March, if you want to hit the right windows in getting your seeds in the ground. But they found all kinds of ways to delay uh, uh, getting the money to the black farmers, and therefore the black farmers would become delinquent. Uh, my parents borrowed from the USDA Farmers Home Administration in 1972, and between, I'm sorry, 1971, and between 1971 and 1976, there were uh, three declared disaster years here in Halifax County and other regions of eastern North Carolina. Yet the foreclosures that began in 1976 only began on black farmers and one white farmer who did not own land but that he was leasing land and getting his equipment through the Farmers Home Administration. So that, it again, says what was going on, that it was black farmers that were being foreclosed on when the uh, impact of the too much water, too, uh, too little water had affected every farmer in the county, but it was only black farmers that were being foreclosed on. Uh, in 1996, uh, there was a uh, call for a protest at the White House and a demand to meet 
with President Clinton uh, because of the fact that what was happening here in Tillery and to my family and other families around us was actually happening all across the country. And there were some 60 farmers that showed up for uh, that protest. And we ended up not getting a meeting with the president, but we did get a meeting with the uh, Secretary of Agriculture, Dan Glickman. And, and, how has, was, and how has the Obama administration been towards black farmers and to your, your group particularly? Well, the uh, Obama administration, uh, President Obama signed the second uh, bill that would authorize $1.2 billion to go to black farmers at the rate of $50,000. And he did that uh, in 2010. I, I believe it was while all of the, uh, not all of it, but many of the Republican uh, um, senators and congressmen were saying that black farmers were hoodwinking the the country by making people believe that uh, we something had happened to us that had not happened to us. I know this is a pretty, may seem a long, pretty long time ago, but in in the, at the turn of the uh, 20th century in 1900 that we had almost a million black farmers in in this country and today we have somewhere the government says it's 30,000 we believe it's somewhere between 15 and 18,000 um, and that shows the decline of the black farmers who have lived in rural America and worked on the farm or worked their own land to um, to support it. President uh, Obama also put in a uh, black as the head of the civil rights, uh, Office of Civil Rights, which was the office that did not look at the cases that black farmers were filing under the uh, Reagan administration, that uh, he pretty much dismantled the um, civil rights office there at the USDA, President Reagan. Uh, who is now the, uh, referred to as the greatest, you know, one of the greatest presidents that we've had. So people just don't understand the story or know the history of actually all of it that has happened. The first settlement under the Clinton administration was for $1.4 billion, and that under uh, President Obama was $1.2 billion. Uh, that sounds like a lot of money. Uh, but when you look at the amount of acreage that has been stolen from black farmers across the country, that is minuscule. Uh, and even in the settlement that they declared that farmers were to be given debt relief, many of them did not receive debt relief, and therefore uh, foreclosures are still going on today. Uh, why, what would be the incentive to stealing that land? Where is it going? Where is it going to? What would be the incentive? I didn't hear the last part. Uh, the incentive for stealing that land. Where is it going to? Where is it going? What's the economic Well, you know, ever, ever, ever since the uh, the Civil War, that the, the land that was taken from the plantation owners, they've been fi trying to find a way to get it back. And um, therefore, we just figure that this is still part of the process. Where I live, uh, our farmland borders what is known as the Roanoke River, uh, which was a floodplain area before a dam was built that now controls the flow of the area. So you go from being in a floodplain to owning a riverfront property, which gets to be very valuable. Uh, that 
if uh, the white uh, landowners had had land and free labor for so long, slavery, as well as during the Jim Crow era, what was known as sharecropping, uh, that they basically had free labor, and the more land you could get, the better off that you would be. I see. Uh, and can you talk about the economic benefit of black farmers specifically as opposed to white farmers? Well, the first thing is that we refer to uh, – we're referred to as black farmers, and white farmers are referred to as family farmers. I've never understood what the difference is that uh, small – uh, white farmers are family farmers, but small uh, black farmers are black farmers. Uh, land ownership is uh, what determines where schools will be built, where highways will be built, where um, malls will be built. All of that is determined by who owns the land and who has the the authority to sell it and, and negotiate. So the more land that someone owns, and especially if you're in a political arena, that uh, you have the opportunity to, you know, become a millionaire or whatever from the sale of your property for as development takes place. Uh, land ownership also has enabled many rural, many a rural uh, child to be able to go off to college, to get a degree, and be able to come uh, get a job in a in a profession. And so we were raised to that we should go to college, even though we were on the farm. We were raised that you would go to college and get a good job when you finished. Many farmers did not teach their children the value of the land uh, that was going to be there and that will always be there. We don't make new land here on earth, so that that we have, we need to stay in control of it. It uh, allows us to grow healthy food for our families, uh, for our community, and for distribution to others. Do you find that young people are going into the farming business, especially African-Americans, or is that sort of a dying profession? Uh, it's a dying profession because it has not been talked about as a profession. And uh, the children who have witnessed the struggles of black farmers from the 1970s uh, up till now have watched their parents, uh, you know, become ill from the struggle in trying to save it and also it has not been a, a what we would say a, a pretty picture. Uh, we have uh, urban gardeners in the urban areas that amount uh, uh, growing food, healthy food because of the way that our food is uh, being grown and the average meal that you eat actually travels about 1500 miles to get to you. And that's just ridiculous with all of the land that we have that should be providing uh, safe and healthy sustenance for all of us. Mm -hmm. What did you think of Mitch and, Sherrod and that whole controversy? Shirley Sherrod? Yes. Yes. Uh, well, I know Shirley Sherrod and have been working with her through the Federation of Southern Cooperatives and all a long time, and I know that she's an honest person. Uh, that's the the Shirley Sherrod story is just the uh, how black people have been treated within the Department of Agriculture. Uh, that uh, you can, we she could, uh, someone could take anything out of context with her that she had said and cause her to lose her job because no one took the time to do any kind of investigation before they 
sent the order out for her to be terminated. And that was done by the uh, office of the Secretary of Agriculture, not by the office of the President, I believe. Did you speak with her after the controversy? Yes, I was just with her uh, most recently at the farm aid uh, that was held here in North Carolina in the Raleigh area, Raleigh area, uh, I, and we stay in contact through email and all. She's doing fine. Uh, they got a, a a relatively good settlement out of the, their case against the government, and uh, so the dream of their building uh, uh, homelands and and a uh, place to grow safe food in uh, Georgia is taking place right now. That's wonderful. So what do you want people to take away from uh, the work that you've written about with respect to black farmers? Well, our young people actually don't understand about the food deserts in urban uh, and rural America, the food deserts that allow uh, unhealthy foods through the fast food system that comes into their communities, which causes illnesses. And then eventually, you know, you get ill, then you got to go to the doctor. The few dollars you have, you end up giving that to the doctor. And the question gets to be then, do I take the medicine or do I find some way to eat? So we want to reawaken our young people to what the value of land is, what farming is, and what owning land can do and has done for our, not only our generation, but for our race of people ever since we were brought here on the slave ships. Mm-hmm. And you with your work and the reception that you've gotten, what have people said to you about it? You, you, it gets fuzzy there. You get too close to the mic or something. Let's try it again. Oh, sorry. I said, when has the reception been to your work? Oh, to our work? <clears throat> The uh, it's been mixed, I guess we would say. Uh, even the black farmers themselves have been beat down to the point that the the fifty thousand dollars, you know, won't even buy a tractor today. Uh, and we've gone from small farmers of uh, forty to sixty acres that you now have to be working two to five thousand acres of land to really be a small farmer in in America today. Um, I don't know how we 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 missed uh teaching our children the value of land the the value of community uh the value of working together and therefore uh when we write or when we speak people normally will just say oh that has nothing to do with me and it has everything to do with with all of us because many people living in urban areas own land through air property uh, in in the South primarily, and uh, they don't pay any attention to it. And the larger or the predominant farmers, white farmers, wait for you to be delinquent on your taxes or something, and they go in and buy the land for a little of nothing, or they go in and find one heir who will sell his interest to to them, and then because they don't know where their land is, they it forces a sale of all of the land. And because of, uh, two, I think, two things. One, the uh, struggle that blacks have witnessed with the land, they don't fight to, to keep it, and uh, it just then allows for the white landowner to increase his holdings and begin to still um, dominate what's going on even within the black community. For example, 
uh, there are so many issues around this. We have industrial animal growing, in particular, uh, hog growing hogs of 5,000 or more locked up in a building, and all of their waste is swept out into the back uh, of the building into what's called an open lagoon, which is just a basic open cesspool. These farms like these are not being built in white communities, they are being built in black communities where it contaminates the groundwater, it contaminates the air, and ultimately it contaminates the, the land. And therefore, the homes that people have struggled to build they become devalued, uh, the land is devalued, and so black people are losing on every end while the white uh, industry is making all kinds of profits from it. So there, yeah, there are um, many reasons. Go ahead. I was just going to say that there are many issues around the fact of how we lose land, why we lose land, and we need to teach this to our younger people and to let them know that uh, basically when if you're going to a nine-to-five job every day, you are working for, quote, the man. The man uh, can lay you off at any time that you choose to be – he chooses – or if things get tight, he can lay you off. If you're on your own land, you can grow your food at least, and you you can continue to feed your family. They have that. They've actually taken agricultural classes out of most of the rural black high schools, predominantly black high schools in the South. That is so that we are no longer even teaching people how to grow food. Yeah, and from what I understand, welfare recipients can now buy from black farmers, correct? They can buy from them at uh, uh, farmers' markets, yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and when did that – who initiated that? Uh, I believe that came in under President Obama, if I'm not mistaken. It may have been Clinton, but I, I, I think it was Obama who actually got it okay. cleared. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you explain the history of the bow weevil? Oh, no. <laughs> uh not that much. The uh, bow weevil was a bug that would destroy cotton crops, uh, and that then they came up with the pesticide that got rid of the bow weevil, but it also got rid of could could also begin to poison the groundwater because of run it that it would run off into the rivers and creeks and all. Um, I don't. That's about all that I know. I, I'm. Uh, not really the the farmer's farmer now, as the, so to speak. Okay. Yeah, I'm assuming that one of your uh, your heroes is George Washington Carver, right? Uh, George Washington Carver, yeah, the, he would be one. Definitely, the, pe- the many uses of the peanut have have helped us, and we grow peanuts primarily here in in our area. We're getting back to cotton now because it's uh, bringing in a lot more. You can get a lot more money for it. But I guess to get you to understand the, for example, a bushel of wheat uh, that will yield probably 20 loaves of bread that the farmer gets about 2 to $3 for that has not changed in over uh, 50 to 60 years. But you know what you're paying for bread when you go to the store. When you go to the supermarket, you know, you're paying $3 almost or maybe more for a, lo- a loaf of bread. But the mm-hmm. farmer is only getting uh, two to three dollars out of the entire bushel that twenty loaves of bread will be made from. So, uh, so it's not it's not a form of economic development, is what you're saying. 
Uh, no, I'm, yeah, right. That's one way, but it's also the fact that the farmers have been uh, uh, mistreated. Not only family farmers, period, black or white, have been mistreated because of the uh, industrialization of agriculture and agribusiness taking over. So, so, what kind of activism or changes legally would you like to see now for black farmers? Well, you know, the government continues to create programs. There's a program called uh, uh, New Farmers, uh, Women Farmers, uh, Disadvantaged Farmers. All of these programs are supposed to be there to help those who've not had an opportunity to really move forward in farming. But no matter which category you fall into, you have to meet the same guidelines as any other farmer. So why are you creating for, uh, loan funds for disadvantaged farmers if you're going to say that their credit rating has to be 100% or you know 75 to 100%? It doesn't make sense, and this is just a way to fool the public. We are trying to work with them, but they just don't have the credit rating. Well, how are you going to have the credit rating when you have seen to it that I don't meet the credit rating by destroying my credit the time that I get my loan in order to put my crop in the ground? But how different is it for buying the land as opposed to a home? I mean, there is a certain amount of credit that's needed, uh, and there are waivers that have that have been given to black farmers and black homeowners uh, to to remedy that situation. Now, the buying land is uh, that through the government uh, farmers' home administration, and now called the farm service uh, agent. Uh, that also uh, covers the buying homes, especially those in rural rural America. Um, if you're going to buy, we, we will buy land if we can get the access. And we know that farmers do not have the kind of credit that someone who's working a nine to five job that's getting more than a you know that that's getting a, a let's say a livable wage because minimum wage won't do it either. Uh, they're, if they're going to be within the housing piece there uh, in the rural America through the Farmers Home Administration, a person can pay on the house for 30 years and still not own it. Uh, and people don't understand that because the, there's all of this that's being set aside so that you can have a low payment that eventually comes due, and they're charging interest on the parts that are being set aside at the same time. I think President Obama has done a uh, you know, uh, uh, he has tried to challenge and to look at that, but we also have to realize that he has had no cooperation from our Congress or Senate since he's been in, in, the, in the White House. Right. Uh, and how much can a black farmer make a year? Well, that depends upon uh, what, how much land that they are working. Uh, there's also this piece called uh, subsidies that farmers get that they are pretty much guaranteed so much for the poundage of their peanuts and all. So, and when you look at that, you know, you have basketball stars who are buying land that's being farmed and they, they get uh, portions of that money. Uh, but if we were talking about a small farmer doing, who is doing uh, 40 to 60 acres, he's, you're looking at somewhere around uh, $60,000, $75,000 a year. Uh, because especially it has come down a lot since the tobacco uh, is no longer the, what quote, golden leaf as it was one time before. Uh, and out of that, 
let's say seventy-five thousand dollars, he shouldn't be able to clear twenty-five to thirty thousand and have, be able to make a decent living in the, in the rural area. Uh, it uh, seems that to me that sound. it seems to me that you that it would be a great selling point for young black farmers uh, to be. Exactly, but they don't know that because what they have witnessed uh, is either their parents or grandparents going through that struggle. They are being told every day they need to get a good education so they can get a good job. They are not told that they should get a good education so that they can become entrepreneurs and that they should become landowners so that they can become independent. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, Mr. Grant, uh, where can more people get information about the work that you're doing? Uh, they can go to uh, our website, uh, and our our acronym is BIFA. We used to say, ebonically speaking, we be for everybody else. It was time we be for us. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's bifa-us.org, and that's the website. Uh, the the summit at, at Howard University is scheduled for tw uh, February the 20th and 21st, and we are hoping to get the young people there to come in and hear speakers that we're bringing in. We're bringing farmers from the south up to talk to them about it, and hopefully that we will have some urban gardeners that will be able to let them know where they can get good food right there in the, in the general vicinity. But we've got to talk about the sustainability for us to have access to healthy foods and that policies must be created that will allow us to return to farming, return to land ownership, uh, and be able to move forward so that our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren will not look upon farmers as some kind of a dirty word or dirty story that the, the government has made us to be. Oh, Mr. Grant, you said it perfectly. Thank you so much for your time. Keep up the good work. Thank you so very much. Hope to uh, talk with you again soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ooh.